of our uh, summer pattern of worship, which means I'm dotting around taking my last opportunity to sing with a choir until Christmas. So if you suddenly see the front's gone vacant, it's because I just can't resist the uh, opportunity to mess up an alto line. Uh, but it's good to be together, and I hope you will enjoy the service. I realise a lot of people have been away for a number of weeks, and that's absolutely fine. But hopefully, um, it will make sense, and you'll capture something of what we've been sharing together over the summer whilst we've been here. And we're going to sing our first hymn of worship, uh, which is on the sheet and also on the screen behind me. Jesus calls us here to meet him, and if you're able to stand and would like to, you're invited to join me as we sing. So we're going to come to God in prayer in a moment and as is custom and practice here these days we will as part of that share together in the Lord's Prayer and you will of course be invited to do that in whatever is your own first or preferred language and whichever version you know. And I'm very conscious that whenever we pray this prayer standing at the front I am very privileged to hear the kind of melody that emerges of different languages. So I thought it might be nice just before we pray to get a sense of what some of the languages are we hear, apart from English with all sorts of different languages. 
So um, if you're feeling brave and you're somebody who's likely to pray the Lord's Prayer in a language that isn't English, would you be willing to share with us what language that will be? So we have it in Welsh. Anybody else going to pray not in English? It's not to catch you out. It's just to, to celebrate the diversity. Anybody going to pray in Yoruba? Yep, Ali's going to pray in Yoruba. Anybody going to pray in French? Not today. German? Any other languages? Okay, so we're not as many languages as sometimes, but it's just beautiful to hear those different languages. And if it's a prayer you're unfamiliar with, there will be a version of it will appear on the screen behind me, um, so you can read it off there if that's helpful. So I will lead us first in a short prayer, and then we will join together in that prayer together. Great God, beyond all words, all understanding, all knowing, We offer you our imperfect understanding, our incomplete knowledge, our inadequate words. Confident that you will not merely receive and accept them, but will delight in so doing. We offer our thanks for those moments this week when we have felt glad to be alive, when we laughed out loud when we knew ourselves to be loved, when we felt fully alive. We offer our thanks for the people who this week have shared our lives. Strangers, neighbours, colleagues, friends, family. We offer our thanks for this worshipping congregation met here today, for one-time visitors and lifelong members, for all that we share and for all that is unique about each of us. We offer our thanks that we may know ourselves accepted by you that our faults and failings are forgiven, that the slate is once again wiped clean, loved, accepted, forgiven, free. How can we respond to such mercy and grace? We will join our voices with those of countless others in all times and places as we pray together the words Jesus taught his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
So as I already mentioned, this is the last of a series of seven summer services, which have all been all age and slightly bonkers at times, it has to be said. And so as we start off together, I thought it might be useful to see for those who've been here all summer, have you been paying attention? So I'll put my best teacher face on, whatever one of those looks like. No idea. And for those who haven't been here all summer, I'll give you a hint of, of some of what we've been thinking about. And I've got some objects on this table that might help us to remember what the I am sayings of Jesus were that we have talked about. Does anybody want to come out and have a look and choose a symbol and see if you can remember which of the I am sayings it relates to or might relate to? It doesn't matter if you get it wrong because that might be my bad choice of things. Freya, do you want to choose something? Shepherd. Yep, so the sheep reminds us of the good shepherd. And the week we talked about the shepherd, do you remember the quiz we did with the mystery voices? Yeah, Yeah, because we were thinking about how do you know somebody's voice and the sheep know the shepherd's voice, so they listen to the shepherd. That's great, thank you. Sarah, do you want to choose an object? It doesn't matter. Right, the map, so that was? Yeah, so we talked about Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. And for the grown-ups, we looked at how we read that. Do we read that in an exclusive way or an inclusive way or a pluralist way? But we also thought about how Jesus came to show us the way he, he travels with us. So that, that's good. Thank you. Amelia, do you want to pick something? The grapes. Okay. Oh, you're fantastic. She's ahead of me. So this is going to where we're going to go this week is the grapes, which is I am the vine. So thank you, Amelia. That's where we're going this morning. So, yeah, you can have my job. That's great. Thank you. Brilliant. Wonderful. So we'll come back to that one. Um, What else have we got on here on this table? Sam, can you see anything that you recognize? You might remember what we talked about. Some of them are a bit more tricky than others. Um, What do you think candles might be? hold this very carefully so I don't pour fat over everybody. So what might candles signify, do you think? Light. And we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And what else did he say? He said, you are the light of the world, didn't he? He said, we were to be like light as well. So we talked about that one. Okay. So I've managed to spill some candle fat onto the paper, but never mind. Um, What have we got here, Sam? Okay, we've got some bread. Anybody remember what that one was? Amelia. The bread is, the bread is my body whenever you eat it. So remember, me, the wine is my blood whenever you drink it. Remember? Wow, she's very good, isn't she? So the bread is Jesus, reminds us of Jesus' body and the wine reminds us of Jesus' blood. That's right. And Jesus also said, I am the bread of life. And we talked about bread as a staple food a basic food that we need and the grown-ups had a wonder about well we normally have bread and jam or bread and cheese or a roll and sausage or whatever we don't just eat bread on its own and we thought well what else do we bring into conversation with our faith in Jesus if Jesus is the bread what else do we need to nourish us in our life and help us to grow brilliant what about this thing at the front which probably didn't even realize was a symbol. What do you think that one looks like a bit? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. We talked about Jesus saying, I am the gate, didn't we? And I was very mean and set Freya up 
with a nasty obstacle course that she couldn't squeeze through with a big backpack on. And we talked about the fact that in order to go through the narrow gate, you have to put your burdens down, didn't we? And Jesus said, I'm the gate for the sheep that they can go in and they can come out and the shepherd can come in and come out. And again, the grown-ups thought about what does that mean for us in terms of mission, but also Jesus said, I've got other sheep, not of the sheepfold. So what does that look like? Does that mean other churches, people of other faiths? All sorts of questions to think about. This one is probably the least um, directly connected with what we talked about. It was the best symbol I could find quickly <laughs> this morning. What, what, if, you could, if you've got a really good memory and we're here all summer, what was this, might this one relate to? Can any of the mem- grown-ups remember? You know what? I think they've got blanker faces than you have. <laughs> okay. Who can remember the week when we had dodgy pop songs? Bethany's not here, is she? Rats. See, Bethany knew. She went, oh, that's uh, Manchester music. We talked about the Manchester passion and Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And for those who know it, uh, we use the chorus only of Chumbawamba's tub thumping. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And we, we thought about the idea of little deaths and little resurrections. And that maybe partly what Jesus is saying to us is that, that when we get knocked down, he will be with us and help us to get up again and carry on. So seven symbols, you're absolutely right. And we're going to look at the vine today. Uh, but we're going to sing a rather long song now. And it's a little bit of a tongue twister. So that's fine but it takes us through all of those seven symbols and it's um, an Asian song I think it's Urdu in its original but we're singing it in English so thank you very much for your help and we're going to sing together Jesus the Lord said I am the bread
So we're now going to move into the part of the service where we continue to explore our theme in different ways. If you want a fairly traditional continuation of the service, just stay where you are, and there will be a reflection led by me. If you're feeling creative and would like to make something which relates to our theme, and you can still listen whilst you're doing it, just follow Cathy up onto the mezzanine, and uh, we've got some glass painting and china painting for you up there. If you like puzzles or colouring, then the snug is the place to go. Um, We've got all sorts of stuff in there. I would also mention that on the stage, I have got oodles of spare sheets from the entire summer. So if after the service you think, well, I'd have liked to have done something, but I didn't, I missed it, or I wasn't sure it was the right thing to do that day, please have a look and help yourself to any sheets you want. Otherwise, it's an awful lot of paper to go to recycling. And lastly, if you're very small and need to run around um, in the memorial room, we have got some toys, but that that is specifically self-guided. That is for parents who who just need to take a child out. And if somebody finishes an activity and wants to move around, that's absolutely fine, Uh, but can you try to do so quietly if you do? We're going to have some music as we move, and then we'll hear the music again later as we come back together. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. Jesus, the real vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear such fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Amen. So today we reach the end of our summer series, the last reflection on the I am sayings of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of John. And I hope that those who have been with us for part or all of the summer have found something to think about, maybe something that offers a little bit of encouragement because ours is a complicated and confusing world, isn't it? The last saying, the one we're going to look at today, comes towards the end of what is sometimes referred to as the farewell discourses, the last things that Jesus is recorded by the writer um, as saying to his followers before his arrest and execution. But it is also something I've preached on before here at Hillhead, and Neil regularly reminds me of the sermon I preached on, I think probably in the first year I was here. Neil's got a memory like an elephant and then some about pruning for growth. You remind me of that sermon, and it's good because it reminds me of the same thing. I also think that earlier this year, either Lionel or Mo, I think, preached on I Am The Vine as well, and they explored the idea of abiding as staying, as remaining, even as resting. A kind of what you might call a non-striving reading of the passage. Not passive, that we have no part to play, but not so overly active either that we get exhausted or think it's all down to us. Abide in me. Rest in me. Remain in me, says Jesus. For to do so is vital to your flourishing, your fruit-bearing, the fulfilling of all that God desires for you. I think it's important that we remind ourselves of this, especially because I know that some of us are very tired and some are quite stressed and several are busy beyond what is in fact sensible. And I count myself in all three of those groups at the moment. But I think also we need to remind ourselves of this when we're excited and when we're energised, and when we don't feel that we need a lot of support and encouragement. And there will be people who are in those places, and despite what I've already said, I also, to some degree, count myself in that camp. And certainly, we need to remind ourselves of this saying, 
When those days come when for two pins we'd give up on the whole endeavour, not just of church, but of faith. You'll be relieved to know I don't count myself as part of that camp at the moment. But I have my moments, as do we all. This image of the vine, of branches emerging from or grafted into the central stock, speaks of stickability, of determination, of tenacity in good times and in hard times. When the sun shines, when the wind blows and when the rain falls, abide in me, stick at it, don't give up, keep on keeping on. And if we take nothing else away today, then that is a good message to remind ourselves of as we face the inevitable challenges of the next weeks and months, both as a community of faith and in our personal lives. So I could stop there, but I reckon you'd feel a bit cheated. So what I'm going to do today is not something that comes from a close reading of commentaries, but actually something that kind of emerged as I was reading and reflecting on this text and the images that we've explored together this summer. Excuse me, I've just got a lump of ice. Very nice lump of ice, but it kind of interrupts the flow of speaking. I want to start by making an observation that, for me, was new and obvious once I'd seen it, but very striking as I began to prepare the series. The first of the I am sayings that Jesus has recorded as as speaking in John's Gospel, he says, I am the bread of life. And the final image is, I am the vine. And I had this kind of light bulb moment that I couldn't find in any book I read, but I can't believe I'm the only person ever to have had it, that we begin and end with symbols that are awfully close to the Lord's Supper, to the bread and wine that we share together to remember Jesus, to remember his death and his resurrection, to remember all that he has done and continues to do for us and for all creation. This is a gospel that begins with a wedding feast where the wine runs out and a gospel ends with a barbecue on a beach. You won't find an explicit Last Supper narrative in John. This whole thing, though, of community around food and drink somehow seems to express the mystery of communion and the living of life in all its fullness and diversity. How often have I said as we meet around the Lord's table that we remember the one who betrayed him, the one who denied him, the ones who ran away. This diversity is always part of it and is somehow held together in that mystery. So that's something that I've taken away and maybe you will find interesting to take away too. We've used some different approaches to the text over the last six weeks and you've been very good. You've indulged me in quite a lot of wordplay with Koine Greek 
given that I only kind of did one year of Greek, I'm probably not qualified to do that, but there we go. We've explored some different theological viewpoints, and we've tried to do all of that within a framework of what does it mean for us to be the body of Christ in this place? Or, to put it in ordinary language, what does it mean to live out what we say we believe as a local church in this world, which, as we've already said, is complicated and confusing? So what I thought we'd do today, and I found it interesting, you might not, but hopefully, you know, it's worth a go, is to try and link each of the six sayings from the past weeks with divine image. Is it possible that we can graft each of these diverse ideas into a single image or metaphor? I'd like to suggest that it is, and I don't think that I've stretched any of them too far. So we began with the image of Christ as bread, the essential staple nourishment for our health. And we noted that it's not enough just to eat bread. We need protein and vitamins. We need fats and minerals as well as carbohydrates in order to be fully healthy. And perhaps there's a hint of that too in the image of the grapevine, which produces fruit which can be eaten. One of your five a day could be some grapes. Or also it can be crushed and fermented to form wine, which, as the wedding at Cana story reminds us, is part of any significant celebration. It's referred to in some parts of scripture as wine that gladdens the heart. It's a celebratory kind of image, as well as a practical, nutritional image. And then we moved on to the image of light, reminding ourselves of the context in which that saying is recorded the festival of Sukkot. You may remember when we tried to build a Sukkot and it kind of collapsed on us. But it was a joyful occasion. And each evening of that occasion, they would light enormous oil-filled torches above the temple, which would bathe the surrounding area in light. And at ground level, there would be acrobats and tumblers and entertainers, including some of the religious officials. And as I said then, I say again now, I'm not going to start doing cartwheels around the church, so be grateful for small mercies. But people would just have a good time around the temple. Something about celebration, about lightness of spirit. We explored the idea of perhaps whether the church needed to lighten up a bit. Is this perhaps not so far removed from this idea we've already mentioned of the grapes that make the wine, that gladden the heart, the celebratory aspect of life. The third saying was the image of Jesus as the gate through which both the sheep and the shepherds could pass into a temporary shelter of the sheep fold and back out of it into the world. We were quite um, concentrating on the fact that you didn't go there and stay there. You went there to rest and, and, and sleep and have a, stay out of the rain, and then go back out again. And we postulated the idea of Christ as the threshold, the crossing place between earth and heaven, between the sacred and the secular, between the physical and the spiritual, noticing that this is a threshold we cross over time and again in different directions. We bring the world through Christ to God in prayer. And we take God's love, mercy, and grace out into the world in Christ's name, and in our everyday life. 
not perhaps the easiest one to link to the vine, and this is probably my most tortuous connection. But what if we imagine Christ as the stock, the central stem, the source through which the nourishment of the vine flows out through us, the branches? The stem into which all branches can be grafted, new branches can be grafted in to find nourishment and flourishing. The noble shepherd was our fourth exploration and we wondered what it meant to know and be known by such a shepherd. Recognising that for the original hearers, both knowledge about and relationship with both spiritual mystery and earthly experience are contained within the words used. There was the Greek knowledge and spiritual mysterious understanding and the Hebrew relationship, earthly kind of meaning, both held together there. And we pondered a little bit what was meant by the other sheepfolds, both then and now. Did it mean Jews and Gentiles? Did it mean different expressions of Christianity? Or more radically, did it refer to other faiths? We also thought about the sacrificial nature of the shepherd willing to die for the sheep. Perhaps it's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to compare the shepherd with the vine dresser, each of them concerned with the health, well-being and flourishing of that which is in their charge. And from the comparative simplicity, though it wasn't exactly easy, of physical metaphors, we moved to Jesus as resurrection. And we played with Greek words, noting that the words that we usually translate as resurrect can simply mean get up or get up again. And we noted that in the story of Lazarus, Mary, Anastasis, is resurrects, gets up again and goes to Jesus, but we just translated to she gets up. We explored the idea of little deaths, inevitable losses of life, and little resurrections. And we did so all around that phrase, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And I wonder if something of that is expressed in the idea of pruning the fruitful branches. That the seasons of fruit-bearing will come to a natural end, that there is a need to let go of past successes and delights in order to experience new ones. That no matter how good something is, it doesn't last forever. It will come to an end. And pruning isn't pleasant, is it? And I'm quite sure if the vine had the choice, it would say, no, thank you. I do not wish to be pruned. And certainly it would continue to grow after a fashion, but not necessarily to be fruitful. The vine is pruned precisely so that it can grow and flourish. Might it be the case that resurrection, or at least the little resurrections, are a kind of renewed growth and flourishing after the painful pruning of what life may throw at us. Not necessarily deliberately the act of God, 
but somehow finding meaning within that. <coughs> Lastly, we approached, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Both by noticing its proximity to the wonderfully inclusive metaphor of many mansions at the start of John 14. And then in a largely didactic way, looking at diverse Christian views on salvation and the ways in which Christians relate to those of other faiths or none. Perhaps the vine image has echoes of the many mansions and indeed the other sheepfolds. Inclusive images that stress their connection to a common source. Might it be that the route to the life source that is God is the rootstock that is Christ? And might the many branches on the vine reflect the diverse expressions of our faith in Christ? And could it be and I leave you to ponder this one, that there are branches on that vine that might surprise us. How would those who follow Jesus with an exclusive, inclusive, or pluralist worldview answer that question? So seven images, seven metaphors, seven divinity claims, seven services, and seven reflections upon them. Where should we end? It shouldn't surprise us that our reading today concluded with Jesus reminding his followers of the golden rule, the greatest commandment, or here called the new commandment, the imperative of love. Amidst words that are all too often quoted out of context at Remembrance Sunday services, Jesus appropriates for himself the sacrificial, self-emptying nature of that love. There is no greater love than to expend oneself for the good of those one's cause friends. But the real mystery is that Christ's love, God's love, extends wider to those that none of us would describe as our friends. To those who feel that nobody would ever call them friend. Jesus is bread and light and gate and shepherd and resurrection and direction and vine and so much more. In describing himself in these ways, and in stressing the priority of love, he desires the full flourishing of all who try to follow in his footsteps. Even people like us. Remain in me. Rest in God's love. Stick at it. Live life as fully as you can. Pick yourself up when you get knocked down. Be open to the possibility that there is more to learn. Be grafted into the life-giving stock of the vine and bear much fruit. As the summer draws to its end and as we end our explorations of these sayings, 
Let's choose together and individually to abide within God's love. In heavenly love abiding. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide with you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sometimes this is read or heard as a mandate to ask Jesus or at least to ask God through Jesus for anything we want. Unfortunately, all too often that ends in disappointment or disillusionment when these prayers seem not to elicit the desired response. The thing is, it's not that the words are untrustworthy, it's our reading of them that is flawed. This promise is contingent on a perfect alignment of our desires with God's will. And the reality is, we're never going to get there. 
We're never going to manage that. We're always going to be a little bit selfish. Our faith is always a work in progress. And yet we do continue to pray for the inbreaking of God's kingdom of Shalom. Every week we pray together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, for our prayers of intercession, we're going to do something interactive, and there's not going to be a lot of words. When you came in, you hopefully found a coloured vine leaf or a white vine leaf on your chair, and a pencil. And it's very simple, really. You are invited to use that in whatever way you like, um, preferably doing things on the side with the vine veins of the leaf showing will be good Um, but it could be people you want to pray for it could be situations you want to remember before God it could be anything and you can use words you can use squiggles you can use symbols you can do nothing on that if you like you might want to express in some way your response to anything that we've thought through over this summer and then you are invited to come and stick that leaf onto this vine. Um, It's a decidedly dodgy vine, but never mind. And we will create a prayer vine. We will graft together our prayers, and those who are in the snug or up the stairs are welcome to do so as well if they would like to. And we just stick them on, and then when all have had time to do that, I will just lead us in a very short prayer together. So in symbol, words, Action and stillness. Let us pray. Eternal God, accept our prayers symbolically joined to the branches of this vine and help each of us to remain to stick at it to flourish and to grow in living the answers we seek to our prayers which we make in the name of Christ Amen
let's offer our offerings to God in prayer. Let's pray. Everything that brings us delight and hope has its source in you, loving God. And so it is our joy and privilege to return to your service some of the many blessings we enjoy. So take this money and take each one of us and let each be employed for the inbreaking of your kingdom of Shalom, especially in this part of Glasgow, but throughout the whole earth. Amen. Our closing hymn is a, a version of St. Patrick's Breastplate, Lord Be My Vision. I think it's St. Patrick's Breastplate. Anyway, it's one of St. Patrick's things. Uh, that'll teach me to go off peace, won't it? Lord Be to Vision, supreme in my heart. Bid every rival give way and depart. There are a few bits of word juggling to go, do as you go along, but I'm sure you will do it brilliantly. Let's stand if we can as we sing. May the road rise to greet us. May the wind be always at our backs. 
May the rain fall soft upon our fields and the sun shine warm upon our faces. And until we meet again, may we be held in the hollow of God's hand.